Hello, hello. You found us again on Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. Today we have just a plethora of things to talk about. I'm going to discuss little that I've heard on the phenomenon of QAnon. Mm. And Mike is going to talk about the Rick Edelstein? Rick Perlstein. Rick Perlstein article in The Guardian about the creation and dissolution of the Republican Party. Not a moment too soon. Not a moment too soon. And I will also be talking about a couple of adventures in television that I've taken that have not totally worked out, but I tried. God knows I tried. So why don't you start, Mikey? Well, oh, we I were. Can't... Oh, you know what? We were gonna. We were just gonna go over the lineup for the RNC just oh. briefly. Because oh, okay. um, have you seen the lineup? I saw what it was reported, but then I saw an article saying that the, they hadn't really released the lineup. So I guess it's maybe oh. leaked or something. But anyway, it was full of boring people. But I did hear that they are going a half hour longer each night than we did. Because they want more ratings, I think. I'm just going to speak to the highlights. On Monday night, Nikki Haley, oh. Mark and Patricia McCloskey. Now, I don't know who is distributing this description, but it says, St. Louis, Missouri couple seen aiming guns at protesters this summer. Yes. So we get a load of that couple of pips. Donald Trump Jr., Kimberly Guilfoyle, his Goyle friend, who is uh -huh. former Fox News host. On Tuesday night, Steve Bannon is no longer here. First Lady Melania Trump, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Oh, that's going to be scintillating, I can just imagine. Mm. Senator Rand Paul, mm. Eric Trump, and Tiffany Trump. Oh, my God. All right. That is, that is the night for the cavalcade Obums. Wednesday night is Mike Pence, his wife Karen Pence, Kellyanne Conway, and... There's and another really weird one. Do you, have you gone through the whole list yet? Oh, dang, I can't recall it. This isn't a complete list. This is the highlights, but... oh. Well, there's that kid who was making fun of the Native American. And yes, that's the one. They don't have him listed here. He is oh, not. he was on the list I saw this afternoon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I heard that too. That's their version of Braden Harrington. Oh. <laughs> Never mind that he's 10 years older. And, <laughs> and he doesn't stammer. Well, we are going to see a lot of Black people on Thursday night. <laughs> There are apparently a number of Black people who will be speaking. And then President Trump is, of course, going to speak on the end of Thursday night. So that's who we're going to get at the RNC. And I intend to watch because I believe in keeping your friends close and your enemies closer. Oh, that's good, good philosophy. I I'll just, watch because I love a good traffic accident. It was a train wreck last time and he still won. Well, that's true. I was surprised they're not bringing out Roger Stone and Mike Flynn. Flynn, yeah. I mean, I'm glad they're not, but I'm surprised they're not. Well, maybe they'll be surprise guest speakers. You never know. You I, just... I thought it'd be fun if that gun couple from Missouri could sing Can't Get a Man with a Gun from Annie Get Your Gun. <laughs> <laughs> the that I would watch. <laughs> I would pay to watch that. Do you want to talk about Rick Perlstein? I found this article in The Guardian. It's dated Saturday, August 15. He's a historian and he's written, I think he's written three volumes and there's one that's about to come out that chronicled the path that the Republican Party took from the Barry Goldwater days to the present day. And I believe that his, he concludes that the Republican Party more or less dies with the advent of Trump in today in 2020. But what drew me to him was that he said something I haven't heard anyone else say. He said that the mainstream press is, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, so it's not his words exactly, but he's saying that the, our mainstream press is derelict in its duty and actually aiding this advancement of totalitarianism under Trump by treating Trump like a regular president. 
Yes. And treating the election, looking at it through the frame of, oh, what are his poll numbers? Oh, how much did he get last time? Treating him like what you would call, I don't know, a normal politician. So I just thought it was inspiring. Well, like a legitimate politician. Yeah. Open letter to press. I've given my last interview about the 68 elections lessons for 2020. Given Trump's tweet on postponing, the political media's determination to bound its discussion within the frame of normal politics is downright dangerous and I won't be complicit. Good for him. Yeah. I feel that way about the New York Times. I feel the New York Times was complicit and responsible by continuing to publish article after article about Hillary's email. That's true too. But even in the current day, just the fact that they talk about Trump and they don't frame it as totalitarianism. I think that's very brave of him and very true. I think it might've been in this article, he was saying that People analyze Trump's political strategy and they kind of wonder about, is it wise that he's trying to only go to his base all the time because it's a finite number of people. He can't get a high level of support. They made the point in the article, it's too few people to win an election, but it's not too few lifelong supporters to support a dictator. Spin that out for me. If he can have a, a rabid bunch, even if it's less than everyone, if he takes control of the levers of power and takes away our elections and our rights to vote and respect for our democratic process, he's got enough people behind him that he could do it. In other words, he has enough people to take over the country. And that's the thing that the papers aren't talking about. Oh, that's a very scary thought. Well, that's what he's talking about. I agree. Reflecting back on the way that the New York Times has portrayed Trump, And since the paper, that's a paper of record in the paper that I read, what you get is that Trump is odd or he's unconventional as a president, but you Mm -hmm. don't get that he is totalitarian, that he is really going in the direction of a dictator. Right. And they should compare him, I mean, they should, in articles, compare him to Orban in Hungary and Mm -hmm. to... Duda in Poland and Putin and all of the rest of the Xi Jinping in China. If it were happening in another in another country, our headlines would probably read: Trump exerts totalitarian control over post office. Yes, but here it's nothing. Here it's like, oh, he's just tweeting. He's so strange. Exactly, he's odd. But you don't get really that he is dangerous. Yeah. That's, that's what the press doesn't say. He is dangerous. That's right. And that's what Rick Perlstein is saying really clearly. So it makes me in, interested in his books. I don't know if I could ever read a thousand page book, but he has these books on not. the Republican Party. The last one's called Reaganland. I once read Les Miserables, and that's oh yeah, close to, if not a thousand pages. But, Probably, um, yeah. But that was because of my abnormal fascination with French things. Did you enjoy it? Yes. I and really loved it. I thought, wow, I was cut out for the romantic era because it's, it's just so full of, it glorifies strong emotion and yeah. ideas of equality and fairness and all these ideals, you know. I read it in high school as a reading assignment, and I believe that that was the first book that I read that got me into reading. It was the I, first book I read it. that absorbed me yeah. to the point where once it was over, I wanted to have that same experience again and right. again. It did that with me too. I think that's why yeah. I was able to get through it, was yeah. that I found myself totally in sync with what he was describing. Yeah, well, it's 
it's a classic. Yeah, it's a with classic. a K. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about QAnon. Oh yes. Because I've learned some things. Okay. Do you remember Pizzagate? Yes. There was a man who heard that Hillary Clinton was running a child sex trafficking ring out of this pizza parlor mm -hmm. in Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. He went to the pizza parlor, shot a lock off a door, and found nothing inside of it. I wish I could remember. It's got such a cute name, this pizza place. And apparently it's just beloved in Washington. Mm -hmm. And the man was arrested. Now, that conspiracy theory, which involved Hillary Clinton and eventually has involved untold numbers of celebrities, Anderson Cooper is one, Tom Hanks and his wife are others. Basically, anybody who is in the Democratic Party of any kind of persuasion and almost any liberal celebrity in Hollywood mm -hmm. is supposed to be part of this massive cabal. Mm -hmm. So, I'm sorry, there's a lot to remember, and I'm probably not going to be able to get it all out, but Q is the person who posts anonymously as Q, anonymous, right. and puts these little puzzles in his posts for his followers. Now, this also has a strain of anti-Semitism to it, and what I learned is that there's been a kind of conspiracy that goes back to the Crusades that involves Jews and children and often cannibalism. And pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Those Crusaders, they love their pizza. <laughs> well, pizza aside, there is this belief that somewhere in the deep state, which also goes to this, I believe it's called the Durham Report, that Barr is in charge of. That's, oh, right. That's investigating Obama's spying on, <laughs> on Trump. Oh, yeah. During the election. Right. And Peter Strzok and the woman that he was involved with, Lisa, I don't remember her last name, mm -hmm. were part of that cabal, allegedly. So this has all become involved with anti-vaxxers. Mm-hmm. And there's another conspiracy theory that I can't connect to this, but they're, they all kind of are now like tigers all chasing their tails. And this has now captivated a large number of people. Mm -hmm. And the president just said in the last few days, when he was asked about QAnon, what his opinion was, and he said, I don't know much about them. They like me very much. Mm -hmm. And I know that they love their country. Mm -hmm. So there's a woman, I think her name is Marjorie Taylor Greene, and she ran for Congress in Georgia and won the primary. So she's going to be in a, in a race with right. probably a, a normal Democrat in November. I don't know what you've ever, had you heard about QAnon? I heard about them in the Rabbit Hole podcast. They talked about them in that. That was the first time I'd really heard anything about them. And they said pretty much what you've said. They just gave the layout of how they came about and how, well, in the Rabbit Hole podcast, they make the additional point that things like QAnon can take shape and take place and take root because of the algorithm that YouTube uses, and oh. which leads us, each of us, into an ever-narrowing but deeper and longer oh. tunnel yeah. of theories and philosophies and ideas that fit what that algorithm thinks we want to see. And it slowly, consistently, bit by bit, takes you, if you don't question it or break out of it, deeper yeah. down your rabbit hole. Wow. And so they were holding that QAnon could happen because of the way YouTube works and the way it, that's not the right word, but the way it segments us 
into yes. our own little tunnels, our own little rat tunnels, or rabbit holes, I guess is the better. better and I, actually, rat, rat tunnel sounds more applicable. Yeah, now, that's true. Now, in that podcast, did they describe how the algorithm works and how it dissects us into these segments? Well, not in technical detail, but I mean, in general, it's just that I've seen it happen for me. I'm sure you have for you. I'm, like when I was going to sing Mac the Knife in that concert before we got canceled, I looked up Mac the Knife in German and I heard a recording and that was that. And then, I don't know, some time goes by and I'm on YouTube looking for, I don't know what, an exercise video or something. And what pops up? Lottie Lenya interview. And I thought, oh, I'd love to see a Lottie Lenya interview. And so I saw this great Lottie Lenya interview, but it knew that I would like that because right. I liked Mac the Knife. And if That's I picked Lottie Lenya, it would take me deeper in. How? Anyway, but so in general, the algorithm, you know, it takes your viewing history and it makes assumptions of what else you would like to see. So based on what that. I'm curious about is how you go from, I could understand how a person would do that. A person would say, oh, Mac the Knife was part of- Three Penny Opera. Three Penny Opera. So Three Penny Opera, that's quite a leap to go from Three Penny Opera, Kurt Weill's wife was Lada Lenya. Lada Lenya had an interview on what, German television or was right. it American television? Well, I think my search term for, to start it off was Mac the Knife in German. I wanted to hear it in German because I, I was going to be singing it in German. So then it probably just is tied into databases that go, oh, Mac the Knife, German, who debuted that song? Lottie Lenya. Well, we bet, I bet Michael Lambert would like to hear about oh, Lottie Oh, interesting. Lenya. Okay, yeah. interesting. And then did you get other pop-ups after that? that were um, I don't remember going further down that particular hole, but sometimes I'll watch a YouTube about Oh, I was thinking about getting a new car and I was interested in the, in the new electric Toyota RAV4. So I looked at a video on that. Well, I have SUV YouTubes all over the place now. So and I, I have I have bird <laughs> videos. There you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious how it hones down, you know, how it creates the tunnel. Well, I think it has access um, to databases that they know how to make these associations and they'll they'll pop something up. You might not like it, but you might. And if you do, well then they compare that to the last thing you watched. They go, Oh, if he liked A and then he liked B, well then he would really like C. And they just keep narrowing the deal huh. for you. Doesn't that seem like it borders Evil? on an invasion of privacy? Yeah, I think you could log out, but it's hard to log out because if you have, like I have to stay logged in because I have yoga libraries in there and right. I have my Glenn right. Kirshner subscription and it's just American consumerism, but on steroids more or less because they, wow. they're watching so, what you watch. Let's we focus feel so on dirty. things. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to tell you about this television show. There's no segue here. I'm just forging ahead. Have you heard of this television show, The Watchmen? I've heard of it. I haven't watched it, but I heard it's quite the sensation right now. It is really the sensation. And here's what I knew about it before I tuned into it. I knew that Regina King was in it. I love her. I knew that Don Johnson was in it. That's mm. not a big pull for me. I knew that it was based on some kind of a DC comic, also not very interesting to me, and that it started and focused in on the Tulsa riots of, I believe it was 1920 or 1921. That very much interested me. So with that as a setup, I watched the first episode. Okay. And I have to say that it could not be of less interest to me. Oh, no. <laughs> Really? I, I was going to watch it too. 
Yeah, I well, I'd be curious because maybe you have more of a of a mm-hmm. DC Comics affinity than I do, but I don't really have any at all. Is it about the riots that they were talking about, where there was this this neighborhood in Tulsa that was yes, kind of a high functioning commercial black run with lots of black run businesses in it? Yes, the Black Wall Street was what it was called. Right, it was a race riot where they killed a, like hundreds of people or three hundred black citizens were killed. That's and so- The entire place was destroyed and it was bombed. It wasn't just that they shot people, Mm -hmm. but that it was actually bombed to nothingness. But then it was rebuilt. Mm. The other piece of it that we don't hear about, but it was Uh rebuilt. And I don't know that it was rebuilt to its former glory. Right. did come back so yeah. that was that it the the whole subject interests me a great deal uh, a friend of mine had made a film about it before i ever knew anything about the tulsa race riot she made a very intimate little film about it and this kind of opened up my interest in the subject because it seemed so incredible that we hadn't heard about it before mm-hmm. i mean that this was somehow a secret you know i mean had you heard about it before this whole dust up about trump going to tulsa on june to no no i had never heard the story and i hadn't heard the story until i saw my friend's film right in any case oh and that was the other thing is in the series most of the people are wearing masks which has nothing to do with the coronavirus it has to do with identity you i think you would like it i think you should watch it because there is right at the beginning after the race riot there is an all-black production of oklahoma it really plays with race a lot. Regina King is black. She's married to a black man. They had three children who were white. I, I wasn't sure if at the beginning I thought, well, maybe this is a case where white becomes black and whites are the oppressed and the black are the alpha race. But it didn't seem to be that. It was very confusing. It was very violent. And that mm. was another thing that I reacted to. Mm. So I have to say, for those who are interested in it, I'm very curious what anybody out in the pod universe thinks because I just couldn't hang with it at all. And it's nominated for so many Emmy Awards. I think it might be, it's HBO Max. It's where it's airing. Oh, right. So I think it might have had more Emmy Award nominations than anything else. I could be misremembering that but I think so. It was really disappointing. I kind of put off watching it because I knew that there was some science fiction involved or it's kind of future fiction, but maybe, I don't know. I think it's the DC comic aspect of it. Mm -hmm. I think I'm just not on board with DC comics. Stanley is Marvel, right? Yeah, I have more of an affinity for Marvel comics than DC. Yeah, it's not a world that really draws me, but you never know. You You never know. You watch something you don't think is up your alley and suddenly you're a big fan, so who knows? Well, the quality of it is really good. The cast is phenomenal. The production value is great. The direction is great. Mm -hmm. So I can only say that it must be the subject matter that doesn't appeal to me. Do they do any scenes from Oklahoma? They they sing Oklahoma. Oh, well, then I have to watch it. You have to watch watch it. it And they're good. At least for episode one. And it's early on. So all you have to do is get through the Tulsa race ride, which will be very upsetting. (laughs) Suffer through a little bit of a mass killing and then get my dessert. Well, the one thing I'll say for it is they make the race riot really horrifying, which mm. it needed to be. Right. So right. they weren't they didn't skimp on right. the emotional impact of that. Isn't it aggravating though? That's another pivotal American historical event that totally went unreported in yes. American high schools. Yes. And one thing that I think will come out of Black Lives Matter is that those episodes, the lynchings, mm-hmm. we never were taught about the no. lynchings. 
Christians? No, or Jews it's all Rome? glossed over. Yeah. And I think that that will now be taught in schools. I think that without that, we don't have a chance at making racial This guy, going, uh, Rick Perlstein, I, I'm really intrigued to read some of his stuff because he's, he is a historian. And another thing he said in this article that kind of ties to looking back to the Tulsa episode is he says it's a fallacy to say history repeats itself. He says history doesn't repeat itself. History is always changing, always evolving. We have to learn the lessons from history to, and apply them now so that yeah. worse things don't happen. Yeah. But yeah. we can't predict what will happen based on the past. He just said that history is much more alive and it doesn't fall Dynamic. into that neat little that neat little pattern yes. of repeating Good. a cycle. You Good. Know? I think that that actually is very interesting because it means that things don't have to line up exactly to have right. the same effect. Trump right. doesn't have to have exactly the same That's right. same pattern. That's exactly right. He doesn't need the brown shirts. He got the red hats instead of the brown shirts. Yes. And they do get violent. The they got violent in Charlottesville. So there are enough parallels. But I like what you're saying, and I think that's maybe what Rick Perlstein was getting to. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a complete traceable overlay. Yes. It just needs enough of the same elements for us to say right. this feeling too familiar. All right. Hello, boomers. Thank you for finding us again, and we will yeah. see you again in a week. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Stay safe. I'm gonna...